0: All right, welcome to another Coach's Notes. This is episode number 41, and it is going to be a deep one today. Um, I'm literally just coming straight off of my reading period, and some stuff I read today just poked me right in the eye, or like. Does it put me in the eye or is it just reached in? Like a hand has reached in to my soul and just like, rawr, this is this is it. This is you. This is this is everything. This is the verbalization of all that's dancing around in my head. And I just wanted to capture that while it's fresh, because it's just swimming in my head and I can't let it go because you know when you just you, you, you know, you have that moment where you're just like, this is it. And everything is just so clear. And it, you don't want to come out of that space because it's so clear. Um, and as I can feel the um, the real world, the world around me, you know, the construction guys are outside doing their thing and people are moving and, yeah, and life is just saying, okay, man, you got to get engaged, got to come out of and I was gonna say fantasy land, but not fantasy land. You've got to come out of headspace, out of out of this, uh, out of, you know, yeah, out of get out of your head and get into the world. Come on, come on, come out of the clouds. Uh, but I don't want I wanna stay. It's like I don't wanna hang on to the feeling. and uh, I don't want to let it go. <laughs> so but I could just feel the edges of the world pulling me back into the world to say, hey, you got stuff to do, man. You got things to do. Come on. We ain't got time to hang out here all day. <laughs> but, you know the realities of the ordinary world? are saying, Come back. Come back. And actually, this is an interesting point because I'm just thinking about the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Um, and there's, um, you know, as you're going through the different stages and you're on the journey and, and part of the or the the goal of the journey is to to get the prize, to get the elixir. And then a lot of people think that's the end of the hero's journey. I've got the elixir. I've got the prize. But actually, you've got to make it back to the ordinary world. So that's that that journey back to the ordinary world. And sometimes the hero or heroine, they actually get so enamored with the mystical, magical place that they don't want to come back to the ordinary world. So in essence, they don't complete the journey. They have the elixir. But they get mesmerized by the mystical and the magical of the non-ordinary world that they stay. They don't realize that they have to. Well, they realize that they have to get back, but they don't want to come back. (laughs) Because you're supposed to. Part of the journey, the completion of that cycle, that circle uh, of that hero's journey, is that you bring the elixir back into the world and you share it with the world, with the tribe, with your with your people. Um, and that's how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like, no, I don't want to come back. I've gone on this, this mini hero's journey this morning in the mind and I don't want to come back. I'm resisting, (laughs) but I must. Uh, and one way to get me back, I guess here is this hitting the record button, um, and just, talking this out then so i'll share with you um and it's from the i've been reading this book transpersonal dynamics the relational field depth work and the unconscious by stacy Millerchamp, um who's a practicing psychotherapist and, and she has a very unique um take on the relationship between the therapist and the client and you know there is that school of thought and this this applies from a coaching point of view as well which is why the book is fascinating for me as I'm while I'm not doing therapeutic work it works in the same dynamics work in the sort of coaching relationship and she's saying you know there's a lot where or the school of thought in therapy and I think the same is in uh, professional coaching too is that you you don't bring your stuff to the table you are the objective person in the room and you don't put your stuff out there and to derail or mix with the client's stuff um, and then of course the whole sort of supervision piece for the coach or the therapist is that okay Yeah. Any interaction, you're going to end up picking up some through transference, uh, you know, stuff from your clients. So you go to see your your coach in the supervisory bit so that you can un, unload that stuff off of you. But what she's saying is, you know what? Actually, if we're working in the imaginal space we're going to go into do depth work, that there's a co creation that needs to happen. So if we want clients to open up to really get in with and deal with that inner uh, space of consciousness different levels of self then there has to be that level of the empathy and the word that you'll hear a lot these days is psychological safety. It has to be that feel where they're like, it's not just a clinical bit, and I'm just going to say some stuff, and this, and then my therapist or coach is going to, you know, ask some open questions and lead me along this space, just through this this dance of questioning, um, and so that becomes a rhythm. But it's not, it's not well helpful. It, um. It's its own trance, I think. It becomes its own little dance because you're used to that, the kind of language and the pattern and that sort of thing. But what uh, Stacey Millerchamp is proposing is that actually, why not enter into a space of co-creation? So not to have the courage as the therapist coach to actually, yeah, if your stuff is introduced into the session, it creates another... Um, a, it creates a, um, I don't know, what's, what's the word am I looking for? It gives you material for both coach and client to work with in a metaphorical sense, and you can gauge reactions, you can go to deeper places, because one, the the client doesn't feel like okay well this is you know i'm doing this dance but actually this is something real and it's here and it's out here and let's kind of co-create this journey and so you're on the journey with the client and a number of things are going through my head even as i'm saying it now and i'm thinking about the classic hero's journey um you know there's that stage once the Once you embark on the trials where, you know, your mentor, your mentor is there with you. You So the mentor isn't, isn't, you know, away. The mentor in this space is there on the ground with the hero going through the stuff. Now, the mentor has been through. You know the value of the mentors that they've, you know, they've walked a similar path. They have all this wisdom and experience that they they bring into and impart into uh, the hero on his journey, or advising the hero along his journey. So they're not doing stuff for the hero, but they're there as an advice to give. Um, their wise counsel, but they're right there in the in the thick of it with the hero on their trial uh enduring the same hardships as the hero is going out, but it's the hero's story, it's the hero's journey. And the mentor is there as uh as the as a guide, as the wise counsel, um, but ultimately differs to the hero in terms of whatever decision that they make and uh and the like. And and I get a sense of that in Miller work as well, that, you know, as a, as a therapist, as a coach that you you hop in, you're on the journey with the with the client um, and you're experiencing the journey together while it's the client's journey that you're on, you're in it. And then therefore the client feels a sense of um a sense of, yeah, this person's in it with me. I can, you know, I can let I can be. I can truly let this person in because I feel that deep connection with them, uh, and and yeah. So I I'm, I like that. I like that as a as a concept, and I know as a in my own coaching practice, I'm not one for the schoolhouse version of coaching, where it's completely um, non-directional um and you know you're simply asking a series of questions you're, you're not interjecting in there but for me it's like there's various different ways to get to the end on this journey and sometimes I'm in it and um offering wisdom and the playing with whatever reaction it comes out of that. So it's not a it's not a strict game for me. It's like, you know what, let's get in here, and let's do some real work for me. And I use a very indifferent tools that are at my expo- at my disposal to do that. And would always with my eye on the outcome, the end state, the journey, the place that the that the client wants to go to and and it's my Space am there in helping them to get to where they want to get to ultimately. So and I'm at this space where um, we're talking about the existential territory, that existential landscape. And uh, as soon as I see the word existential, you know, my brain lights up because... If I was to put out here, one of my sub personalities is the existential philosopher. I love that space. Uh, It is a hugely. it's, 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 I'm just thinking, it's inspiration—the right word. It's just, it's just a place that I love to explore as an inner explorer. Just go into the existential territory. It's just like, oh man, um, it's a, it's yeah, I love it. <laughs> so there's existential territory. So I'm going to read some parts of this because um, the words, yeah, it's just just like ah. Oh. It was like really jumping out at me here. So for some people, existential territory arises after a period of heightened achievement or peak of creative experience. Uh, For others, it it is a developmental period during midlife when parents are moving into their senior years and we start to notice that there is more life behind us than ahead of us. And we begin to ask, what has it all been for? Now, I know that question and uh, I wrestled with that question a whole lot, isn't it? And then even as run I, I read that statement, I was thinking, yeah, you know, actually um, I've been in playing in the existential space for a while, because again, I just love the territory and the insights that I get from exploring in that space. And, um, and today <laughs> reading that bit about you know, there's more life behind me than ahead of me. You know, absolutely is ringing true even more as another birthday is coming up here in a couple of months for me. And, um, you know, if I'm looking at the, you know, the, the average age of a male in the UK being... uh you know, live to 82, I think, is the average age. So, you know, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a million miles away from, um, you know, that space. So definitely. And yeah, but I just woke right up as soon as we got into this space of, of existential territory. So in exploring the existential um, landscape, um, so, so however... When the so in this in this trans personal dynamics, um, she has a nice model uh, that, um, and she uses this this idea of. Uh, you know, this in the inner landscape you have um, between the me and the not me, and in between you've got is the edges, and that's where all your defenses go up, and it's patrolled by uh, your edge figures, who are you know can be very militant in keeping out the not me. You know, the the you know they're the ones that are policing the the almost that that yeah they're they're the guardians at the wall you're not me you're the unconscious the stuff that you don't want to be or shadow work as some of you might know it as you know your shadow self is over there and, and at this edge um is where all your guardians your edge figures patrol this wall to try and keep those aspects of your subconscious unconscious um that you classify as not me uh, at bay. But in actuality, the not me is you. When you look at the totality of consciousness, it's all me. Um, But our psyche, ego, me side, um, the consciousness that I identify, the who I am, Uh, wants to keep those aspects out and we've been conditioned to downplay uh, areas of ourselves or you know yeah you've just been conditioned by whatever your sort of upbringing is and beliefs and things like that and you know there's certain ways of behavior in your world that are deemed uh, appropriate and what you need to be aspiring to and all those um pieces that we pick up uh go growing up. And so you have a whole territory of not me's that, that have been buried. Um, you know, a an example just you know, as you're going about your day to day, um, and you get annoyed by someone, let's say, that's probably the easiest way to look at it. As you're going about your just a stranger even, and, and it's something that annoys you. Uh, that is more of a reflection of you than it is of them. So that's a glimpse into your, not me, your shadow side that, that you, which you have a strong reaction to in another person, a strong negative reaction to, um, and your. Edge figures are recognise that, and again to reinforce the the fact that that's the not me, and that those that aspect needs to stay in the not me territory. Um, You have that heightened sense of agitation uh, when you run up against that, and if you get into shadow work, you know that's the very place that you need to go is for is to head towards those bits that you have those. The most negative reactions to to get a sense of the not me, and then how are you going to integrate those aspects of you that you've kind of closed off or you've kept your edge figures have kept them on their side of 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 the wall. So, <clears throat> coming back to the existential uh, sort of landscape, and um, you know, so. If you, oh, I'll just, I'll just read in this bit here. So, when the imperative to engage with the often desert-like landscape, uh, when existential issues are present, then everything takes on heightened weight and a sense of both significance and emptiness. And that was a bit that really got me there. This, this idea of um, the heightened weight and sense of both significance and 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 emptiness, this paradox of, um, you know, there being uh, life being significant and having meaning, but at the same time being full of emptiness and how, how to reconcile that, that paradox. So the paradox of feeling that matters of extreme importance are occurring while at the same time, nothing seems to matter it's part of the atmosphere of existential themes. So, within the desert, we can search and search for something we sense is there, only to uncover more sand. And that is just like this—the synopsis of um, life for me. <laughs> you know, I'm out here in this desert, and I've been out in this desert for a while, searching for something. Um, and I know that it's then, it's like today, this morning, it was like I can, it's like I'm almost able to give it words or a name or a frame or just like I'm just on the, I'm just about there. It's just almost in my grasp, <laughs> almost there, but I just can't seem to reach it, which remind me, I was a Michael Moorcock book I read. Um I don't see it around me here, but um, what the heck was the name of that book? Anyway, the uh, Jaffram is the main character in it, so I remember his name. Uh, and he's always, you know, he's been chasing after this this golden, oh, the Golden Barge, that's the name of the book. Uh, and, it, you know, he was in his village and then it, it was on this river and they and got a glimpse of his golden barge when he was younger. And he set off on, to go and, to, to find this, to the barge, to actually see it up close. But so he sets out, leaves his village and anyway, throughout this whole book, he can just, every time he's just about, you know, is in the fog or it just goes around the corner. So he gets a glimpse of this golden barge. And then, um, by the time he catches, you know, something happens in between and he goes through all these different, um, trials and um different life stages and all sorts of things happen but always it gets this glimpse of the golden barge it keeps him moving along you know um and it's like that it's like I'm at I can I'm it's like just as I get that glimpse now the golden barge has gone around the corner and I'm at that space now where I've been settled Uh, because that happens to Jaffram in the book, you know, he goes to a village and he becomes a merchant and, you know, he spends some time in this place and then one day gets a glimpse of the golden barge again, which gives that sense of discontentment and then off he goes to catch up with this barge. Um, And I'm there, so I've been kind of uh, circling the wagons a little bit here and and now I just got a just got a glimpse of the golden barge again, <laughs> so it's set me alight, and I'm like, ah, I'm there, I'm almost there, and and I, yeah, so yes, that that bit there. So you know, the extreme importance, but uh, at the same time, nothing matters. So from my, you know, from an existential standpoint, you know, it's like, yeah, you know that. You know, the only guarantee that is there is that there is death and that that is coming. So no matter what path you're on or things you're doing in life or whatever your story is right now, it all ends the same for us all. You know, we all die and we're gone. Uh, Now there may be some stuff after death, I don't know. Um, But we'll get there. We'll all get to our deathbeds. And then, so the question that goes into my head is like, you know, all the stuff that we're doing and striving for, yeah, what is the point of it all in the end? Because it all comes to the same conclusion. Um, it's just gone. So within the desert, we can search and search for something we sense is there only to uncover more sand. And I've uncovered lots of sand <laughs> just when I think okay, there's more sand. Now, it says, you know, she says, you yeah, know, this can create panic. doesn't create panic in me, I don't think. A sense that surely there is something meaningful and thirst quenching to be found. An oasis somewhere that has nourishment, comfort, and a sense of purpose grown in it. Yet the more we seek, the less we find. And again, I'm like, yeah, I want to bang my chest and it's like, yes, yeah, that's it, that's it. That's exactly it. You know, there is. And that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me delving into all these books and reading and philosophy and exploring spirituality because I do believe that there has to be something meaningful then it's going to quench my thirst if I can just find it. <laughs> and I've been looking for this oasis um, of nourishment, sense of purpose. But yeah, it seems the more that I seek, the less that I, fi- that I find. Um, and I know I keep dropping all these book titles to you, but the other book that reminds me of is... Uh, The thing that you seek is seeking you. That which you seek is seeking you. And we're just not finding each other. (laughs) I'm seeking it, it's seeking me. Oh man, where is it? So when a client has worked long and hard on their wounding and developed a compassionate way of relating to themselves and others, then the depths of their existential question, what's the point in the face of what cannot be changed despite all the work on changing things that matter follows close behind? Um, and again I get that in the sense that you know where I'm at, that's why I said it doesn't create panic in me. Um, you know, I've done a lot of work on self and you know, looking at my sort of the wounds and healing and you know all that stuff, you know, that I've you know gone through for the to to, to go for this sense of, of well-being and wholeness and and the like. Um yeah, there still comes that question, what's the point of all this working on self, um, only to get to the end, and it's going to end the same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a tricky one to balance out in this existential place when you're in this territory, because... Uh, that paradox is the paradox. It's wholeheartedly the paradox because no one there feels that there's a meaning in it at the same time, and there feels that there is no point to it at the same time. In existential territory, we enter a period of dark wisdom weaving through developing the humility that comes from knowing we are very small in the grand scheme of things. And I get that sense when I'm out in the mountains, you know, when I'm standing there amongst all alone and I'm in this open expanse, especially like Wales has the best, because it's, you know, there's no trees and stuff. So you're just in this open space with all these mountains around you and just, you know, that insignificant feel and the presence of that uh, majestic, the scenery, and I can picture that in my head now, specifically in the space around uh, Mount Snowden. and you you just can look out for miles. Um, if it's not foggy, <laughs> you can see for miles and miles, and it's just like you're just this tiny dot in amongst that majestic uh, scene. So yeah, we enter a period of dark wisdom weaving through developing the humility that comes from. Knowing we are very small well in a grand scheme of things, hmm. we wish to feel that we can create the reality that we want. When we are faced with what we cannot affect or change, we may descend into de- depression. So again, I don't experience the existential territory from that way. I don't feel, I don't feel an overwhelming anxiety. I, you know, I, you know, I'm human, and sometimes you do. Have those periods of just you know, you know, can have a heavy bout of sort of anxiousness about thinking about you know this meaning and no meaning, Um but yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm looking at this that the you know can create the reality that we want when we are faced with what we cannot affect or change. Yeah. And that's a school of thought, um, you know, that we can create our own reality. And, you know, on one hand, can we, or is it the illusion that we can create our own reality? Hmm. Ah, So, yes, 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 yes. I wanted to do the notes on that today. It's it's because I'm just, well, at least this is helping me to, um ease back into the back into the ordinary world and excuse me for a second had to cough there so yes it's uh yeah i'm this is helping me to come back come back in the room <laughs> so uh i wanted to share that with you I'll, I'll, I'll stop there there's some more maybe i'll get into some of this in another Another notes because this is a section about exploring the opportunity within the limitations that um, has some interesting things into it as well. Okay, wow, that was good. Uh, thank you for indulging me if you made it this far. And I would love again just to hear some of your thoughts, some of your insights, or field any of your questions. It would be great to to sort of sort of dialogue um, with you if you are feeling similar or have some thoughts or hey you may even have an answer for me maybe you have the key to what I've been searching for so if you do let me know I'm always down for that so uh, do 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 get in touch and let me do the mundane thing here um if you've just stumbled across this for the first time and you made it this far uh go ahead and subscribe to the coach's notes that way you know it comes into your your uh your podcast listener of choice um if you have listened to other ones but just haven't gone that next step to subscribe then do so you know, what do you, what's the hold up? <laughs> Go ahead and subscribe to the coach's notes um, and explore this this sort of territory with me. Um, I'm not offering answers to anything. I don't have any answers. Uh, I'm all about the exploring, the exploration, the exploring together to reach uh, new insights So, yeah, I am nobody's guru, baby. I'm just a fellow seeker explorer. So um, explore with me, hit that subscribe uh, button and share with anybody else that you feel is a fellow seeker as well. All right. And this is, oh, I haven't done a long coach's notes like this in ages. So this is, uh, looks like it's coming in at just about a half an hour. Awesome. Okay, anyway, don't want to make it longer than it needs to be by rambling at the very, very end. (laughs) Have a good one and uh, catch you out somewhere in cyberspace.